Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Have you had a good week? Yeah, good. I didn't. Um, <laughs> so let me tell you about that. So, <laughs> so this week, Vic, Vic went away with the kids. She went to Norfolk. And initially, when that kind of thing's happening, I always think, like, amazing, a house to myself, going to get loads done, be super productive. And then I forget how unproductive I am as a human being. And uh, so she goes away. And I feel, um, I feel a little bit lonely, um, if I'm honest. And um, I normally say, oh, don't give me sympathy, but I quite like that. Um, <laughs> but I do, I, feel, I felt like, and I think it's because of what I'm used to. Because, you know, I used to be a teenager once and spent most of my time in my bedroom. And uh, so I remember being lonely and just getting used to it. Um, and I think sometimes when you have a change in, in dynamic in a, in a situation, it hits you because you think, like, oh, I'm not used to this. You know, you wake up and you're on your own and... Um, and so, yeah, it just felt a bit like I was barely human for a week. And uh, I'd have, like, certain things in place. It took me about three days, I reckon, to get back into some kind of, like, normal routine and uh, function as a, as a mammal again. Um, so, uh, and I think sometimes we can all feel a bit alone, and we can feel that kind of aloneness. Um, and that we can have that feeling, and it's a bit of the cliche, isn't it, of teenagers who say, like, you know, it's the Kevin and Perry, like, you don't understand what I'm going through kind of thing. Um, but then as adults, we sometimes think, they don't understand what I'm going through, or they don't understand what's going on up here, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm the only one going through this, and I don't feel like anyone else thinks like me, and I don't think that anyone else has these weird thoughts that go through their head, and I don't think that anyone else feels as alone as I do. Um, and, then, and then the worst thing to do when you're alone, if you're ever alone, is to go on your phone and go onto Instagram and think, oh, I'll see what everyone else is up to in their perfect lives. Um, as you feel a little bit crap and you sat on your sofa and you flick through and you, you compare your kind of behind-the-scenes life to their shop front and everything's perfect and you kind of feel like you just want to comment on everyone's like, bulls, bull, you know. <laughs> this is not your life. Don't lie to me anymore, people. And, uh, and you compare your behind the scenes, what you're going through at the moment, with their perfect, filtered Instagram life. And it's just, it's not true. Um, and it's not the way we're supposed to be. We're not, you know, it says, it says in the Bible, um, you know, God says it's not good for man to be alone. How right he was. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'm an introvert, naturally. I, you know, Vic could say I don't like people. I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, I do like some people some of the time. <laughs> I, do, uh, I do enjoy being around people, uh, but sometimes my energy um, is diminished when I'm around people for too long, and so I need time on my own. I definitely don't need a whole week on my own. Don't ever do that to me again. Um, and, <laughs> and it can feel like every day I sit and ask myself, how did love slip away? And something whispers in my ear and says, You are not alone, for I am here with you. Though you're far away, 
First point. Oh, thanks. I, I haven't been practicing that all week at all. <laughs> My first point this morning is this, and I want us to say it together. And the reason I want us to say some stuff this morning is because when you speak it out, it becomes more true to you. And if I speak it out, it becomes true to me, but I don't want you missing out on what can be true to you. And so my first point this morning is, I am not alone. So if I say it and then you repeat it, I think that's probably the best way of doing it, because sometimes when you say, well, say it after three, you think, do I say it on three? Do I say it after three? How much of a gap do I leave? I am not alone. alone. Good. Now let's say it like we mean it. I am not alone. alone. Good. I like participation. So... Part of the problem, I think, is that we're being conditioned to live life alone. And I think that, um, this isn't a conspiracy theory, but it's more like where society is going. So if you look at like, how, um, how attached we are to our phones now, I don't have mine on me, I feel a little bit naked, it's upstairs. And I, you know, it's, uh, you know, there was a, a phrase, I don't know who said it, um, so I'll claim it as my own. Uh, so <laughs> when our phones had leads, we were free. Now our phones are free we have leads. And we feel attached, and, and like I say, the worst thing to do when you're alone is to pick up your phone. My automatic response when I feel alone is to grab my six-inch screen, and we zone in on the six-inch green. Online shopping, you know, that kind of like, you don't have to go to the shop and buy stuff now. You can sit on your own, and you can order all your stuff, and then someone will come and deliver it to your house. And even if you're at that point where you think, I don't even want to speak to the delivery person, you can get it delivered to one of those, like, dog, mog, moggy, whatever the lockers are called, around the city, and you can go and you can just type in your number, take your thing and go. Uh, or if you go into a shop now, you can do all your shopping, um, and then you can go to the till, where somebody is paid to then put through your thing through the till, or you can think, no, I know you're paid to do this, and that is your service to me, but in fact I'm going to do it myself at the self-service checkouts, because then I don't have to talk to anybody. Yeah, I felt like this this week. I went into the shop and thought, good, I don't have to talk to anyone. Like, <laughs> so bad we are as people. Is that we're designed now not to talk to each other. We're designed to, you know, social media is like the most unsocial thing out there, ironically, because we can like and we can comment, but we don't interact with each other and we don't talk to each other. And there was a, there was a study done recently on top NBA players in America, so the basketball players in America, who are on millions of dollars and they've got loads of stuff and they're, you know, they're highly rated by lots of people. And there was a study done into this team as to why they're so depressed. And the reason was, is that at half time they'd check their phones and they'd go on social media and, and you'd, people, I'm presuming, would then tweet them with, oh, that wasn't that good, or this was amazing, or whatever. Um, and this is the thing, like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you're on social media and you see someone famous put out a post and so they have, like, hundreds of comments, they think, oh, I'll look at the comments. Um, and then all the ones that are like, you're amazing, you're the best thing ever, blah, 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 and you just flick through those and you look for the negative one. And we're drawn to negativity, and we want to see what kind of negative stuff people come out with. And uh, 
It's just, it's bizarre. You know, I was at Hillsong Conference a few weeks ago, and uh, my main memory, right, from Hillsong Conference wasn't any of the talks, it wasn't the worship, it was amazing. But it was a conversation I had with them. We were, we were sat, we'd drunk about a bottle of red wine at this point. He's, I think he's talked to you about his conversion um, to red wine, that is, not, you know, second conversion. And uh, we were having a conversation. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and... Um, we were just talking, and I was saying to him, like, how I think, mate, you're amazing. Like, the way you connect with people, the way you talk to people, the way you engage with people, um, your stories are incredible. And, and he was like, it's funny, because I think the same thing about you. Because I was saying to him, like, I can't do what you do. I think you're brilliant at this. And, uh, and then he was saying, but that's what I think about you, Sam. And I, when you talk, and it's amazing, and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, that's incredible. I never thought that he thought that about me. I always just thought, oh, she's amazing and stuff. Um, and it was, it was a, but it was that conversation of realizing that like, what my struggle was, was his struggle. And what I was going through, he was going through. And it's, and it's moments like that when you have conversations with people, and you realize you're not alone. Um, there's a great verse in the Bible. It's kind of my main one for today. It's 1 Peter 5, 7 to 9. Um, and it says this. It says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. If nothing else, that in itself is amazing. Um, and then it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And, and you can read that and you think, like, that sounds a bit weird, but it's, it's how the devil works, is that he gets into your head, he plays mind games with you. He makes you think that you're alone. He makes you think that you're the only person going through this struggle right now. And also, he makes you think that your struggle is just for you, that you shouldn't tell other people about it because you'll waste their time. They're too busy for you. Too, they've got too much stuff on in their life that why would they be bothered with your struggles? And it says, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And this is the key bit that really stuck with me. It says, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And I've read that before and I've missed it, but I've thought, yeah, other people are going through what I'm going through. And you can look at anxiety and stress on different levels, but your 1 to 10 is maybe different from somebody else's 1 to 10, and I get that, but they've still got a 1 to 10. So when you're at your 10 and you're at your most kind of anxious and stressed and, and worried about stuff, that you can share that with somebody else and they get it because they've got their own 1 to 10 and they know what their 10 feels like and they can see that you're at your 10. Um, and so I'd... I'd say just remember you're not the only one going through what you're going through. And it can feel very much like you are. It can feel like nobody else. And your situation might be unique. Your situation might be different to other people's. But the feeling and the anxiousness, that's why it says in the Bible, give it to God. Because it's not for you. It's not for you to deal with. It's not for you to worry about. Give it to God. I am not alone. My second point is... God loves me. And this is what God wants you to know. And it can sound like, oh, that's a bit cheesy. That's a bit like, you know, the uh, Bible bumper sticker, like honk if you know Jesus loves you. Um, you've probably never seen them before. Um, but, you know, give them a little honk if you see them. It'll make them feel good. Um, and, you know, that this kind of love that God has for you isn't... Because we read that, and, you know, Dave's talked about it before, there's different meanings for the word love in the Bible. And we can read it and think, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. 
Um, or you can think, oh, is that that kind of mushy kind of love that you get on Valentine's cards where it's like, oh, I love you. You're the best thing ever. You, you know, I love you to the moon and back, and we've been dating two weeks, and it's amazing. Um, <laughs> and it's not the kind of verbal love that your best mate gives you, you know, when they've had too much to drink. It's like, I love you, mate. You're the best thing ever. Um, and it's, it's only done in drink. Um, but God's love for us is demonstrated. It's proven. It's not made up. It's solid. It's not wishy-washy. Now, I remember as a teenager, you know, my best mate um, at the time, we'd, we'd say stuff to each other and we'd proper think we were gangsters because we lived in York and uh, <laughs> we were very white. And um, I remember, we, you know, we'd listen to all the hip-hop music and so we, we once, we bought a bottle of Hennessy. If you've heard of Hennessy, it's in a lot of rap songs. We thought, oh, we'll be, you know, this is mint. We've got a bottle of Hennessy. We're about 14, 15. And we tried it like, this is disgusting. <laughs> These, these guys, they need to learn about, like, smell of ice, because it tastes way better. Um, but I remember that we, we, we'd say, we'd have these kind of conversations with each other, like, mate, I'd take a bullet for you, and you think, living in New York's a pretty safe promise to make, like, it's never going to happen. <laughs> um, and then he moved to Nottingham, and I was like, oh, that could happen there, I'll stay clear. <laughs> I'll leave you to it. Um, and you may have friends like that now, that you think, yeah, they'd... they'd give their life for me, they'd give the right arm for me, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus didn't take a bullet for you, but he did take 39 lashes that opened up his back. He took a crown of thorns that pierced his skull so blood poured down his head. And he took three nails. I love you. I love you. I love you. He suffocated for hours before giving up his own life for you. And this is truth. This isn't like, this wasn't made up. This wasn't like written as a fairy tale. It's like, it's documented proof that Jesus went through this for you. And he did that for you. And his love doesn't even stop there. It continues now. As you give your life to Christ, he, you experience his love and you can experience it more and more every day. And it can feel like, but I'm not worth it. But you are. And I know that I'm worth it because of what it says in the Bible, not because of my deeds, not because I've worked up to it, not because I've earned it, but because God loves me. It says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, not if the good people, trust me, or if the people who've worked it all out, if they get it, it's like whoever. It's like that blank check of like, this is eternal life, put your name here that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you that whoever? Do you fall into that category of whoever? Because we all do. Whoever puts their trust in, in Jesus can have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, is what the Bible says, can have eternal life. And it's not just words on a page. As you like I said before, as you start this journey with him, you experience it in different levels because you start to put your faith in him, you start to put your trust in him, and then you see that God turns up for you. And then we always get those thoughts of like, oh, well, what if he doesn't next time? It's like he has for thousands of years. He's not stopping now. Another great verse is 1 John 3:16, which says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions um, and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. See, love's a verb. It's an active thing. 
See, and this isn't like a, an art you should, you must. And it says in there, like, you ought to. But that's in response to what God's done for us. So when you experience love, when somebody gives you love, or, or you know that your partner loves you, you want to reciprocate that love. Or you see, you know, I see it in my kids, and I love them, like, even when they don't love me. Even when they're, like, in Norfolk, I still love them. Um, but there's something about it. When, when you receive love, you want to give it back. And, you, and so that's what God's love does for us, is that when we receive it, we think, flipping it, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe that I'm chosen, that I'm not, you know, he hasn't forsaken me, he's not forgotten about me. And even though I do stuff wrong, and I still do stuff wrong, he still loves me. And because of that, we then express that to other people. And it's a free gift. It's amazing. My third point is this, is that he is my constant. So say that, he is my constant. He is my constant. He's not ever going to leave me. And uh, Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. It's like he's everlasting. He's like from vanishing point that way to vanishing point that way. He is constant in our lives. And it can feel sometimes like you're on your own. And um, it can feel like, I don't know what to do, and I feel alone, and I feel all that kind of stuff. And then, so then when we repeat this truth over ourselves, and we say, no, I'm not alone. I've got a God who loves me, who's for me. And it's great to have people around you like that as well, and you'll experience that when, you know, if you've had a good upbringing, maybe, if, you, if your mum and dad loved you. Um, and then, uh, and I say that because I know that some people don't have that. And then it's difficult to then connect with a God who loves you unconditionally who doesn't hold stuff against you, who doesn't treat you badly, who wants the best for you constantly. And, um, yeah, God is the ultimate life coach because he's always there and you don't have to pay by the hour as well, so that's a bonus. <laughs> um, but he'll always believe in you even when others won't. Even when others lose, lose faith in you and your abilities, God doesn't. He still believes in you. He still believes that you can get that business that you've been after. He still believes that you can get that partner that you're after. He still he, he wants things for you because he's your dad. And you know, if you, you know, talked about this last week, but when you call him dad, you get a different relationship with him than like Almighty God or dear Lord. Um, it's like no, he's your dad, and he wants to give stuff to you. And he wants to, you know, I look at my kids and I want to do whatever I can for them. And, you know, they're amazing in my eyes. And I know that they may annoy other people, but <laughs> as does everyone's kids. But I love them. And I want, I want the best for them. I want them to do well in life. Romans 8 says this. What then, Romans 8, 31 to 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Like God wants to give you things and he wants what's best for you. He doesn't, you know, because some people, I, you know, I sometimes think like this. I think like, oh, but God, I'll give you my life, but then I don't know what you're going to do with it. Like, are you going to then think like, oh, I've got your life, like, well, you can't have it back because you've been a bit naughty or whatever. Oh, that sounds a bit silly, but like, we, we can sometimes think like, oh, I don't want to give my, my life to God because then he's got it. What's he going to do with it? Is he, you know, is he going to punish me? And we've got to understand God's character, that he loves us, that he's our dad, that he wants the best for us, that no matter what you do, you can't disappoint him. 
That's amazing. Like, no matter what you do, you can't disappoint him. He always, always loves you. James 4.8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Psalm 119. And um, I joked about this once with Vic because she was like, oh, we should read the Bible to each other, like read it over each other. And so she'd pick a psalm and I'd read it. And then she says, yeah, pick one for me. I says, I'll read Psalm 119. It's got 176 verses. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word guides us. It's there to show us where to go. See, if you don't have a light, you don't know where to go. But when you do and you're struggling and you're thinking, I don't know, I, you know you're feeling unloved and you're feeling like it's hard. And then you get... I love you. That says, it says that in John 3.16. I love you. I am for you, not against you. Romans 8.31. I will restore your soul. Psalm 23, verse 3. You are chosen. Ephesians 1.4. I will never leave you. Hebrews 13.5. I have good things in store for you. Jeremiah 29.11. Give me your worries because I care for you. Do not worry, says in Matthew 6. Matthew 28 says, I am always with you. And then when you feel like he's gone and you feel like everything's gone wrong in your life, he says, I'm still here. Matthew 28, 20. See, if you don't have that torch, if you don't have God's word, you don't know where to go. When tough times happen, when darkness hits and your life feels like, I don't know what's going on. I, you know, I thought everything was going well and then this happened. Or I thought life was going this way and then suddenly it's turned and now I'm going this way and you're like I don't know what is going on see when you've got a torch as in when you've got God's word and you can turn to it it can guide you you know the Holy Spirit's there to guide us not to stop us not to to make our lives smaller but to make our lives bigger and better God's word shows you where to go so to sum this up my first point is I'm not alone. Whatever you're going through this morning, you might have come with stuff heavy on your mind, some, you know, chains that bind, bind you up, things that you just think, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know where I'm going in life. It just feels dark. Know that you are not alone. Know that God loves you. No matter how unloved you may feel or how unloved you think you are, God loves you. And he died for you. That when he died on that cross, it was for you. And you can think, yeah, 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 it was for the world. It was for these people. It was for... No, it was for you. Put your name there. God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved John. God so loved Vic. God so loved Seth. God so loved Sam and the rest of you. Put your names there. Like, make the Bible real to you. And he is your constant in life. He will never give up on you. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.